0: Good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning. Say it like you mean it. We get to worship the risen Lord today. Good morning. Good morning. Isn't it a good day to be in the Lord's house? Amen. Amen. I hope I'm hooked up over there. I may not be hooked up. Let's see. Maybe I am. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we are sure glad to have you. I met some folks just a minute ago that that we're in this church for a while and and so hometown folks coming back and glad to have y'all you if you're Gabriel, good to see you. just want to point you out over there. (laughs) want to embarrass you for a moment. No, we're so glad when uh, folks that that, that call this church home come back home. And it's a good feeling to find familiar faces and the hugs and all that kind of stuff. It's great. Um, So we're glad you're here. If you're visiting with us online, we'd sure love to know that you're visiting with us. Please fill out the, the connection card. It's in the digital bulletin. You'll find a link to that in the description below the video. Just a few announcements. First of all, uh, tonight is our business meeting. It's at 6.30. The agenda is posted in the foyer. And I do want to remind you it's your right, your responsibility, and your privilege as a member of Cherokee Baptist Church to take part in this meeting. And I want you to make every effort to be present tonight. Um, Reminder that this week uh, we will finish up our collection for the April 15th Blessing Boxes shipment for Arctic Barnabas Ministries. Um, If you come back sometime and notice that everything's gone, Uh, Ken said that they were going to start packing up boxes today, but they'll accept stuff through the 15th. Good enough. All right. Uh, There's also going to be a VBS workers meeting today after church. It's going to be very brief. Um, If you have questions about it, see Carrie Owen. And uh, it's going to be brief just to kind of find out, am I correct here, who all is interested in helping? Okay, very good. Very good. Uh, another announcement quickly. Um, out in the foyer, there is posted on the bulletin board uh, some information about First Baptist Church San Sabas Spring Bible Conference. It's called Searching for Answers. They're hosting a man named Russ Miller. He's a former theistic evolutionist, and he's going to minister to us by talking about creation, evolution, and science. And so if you want information about that, it's a free conference. The, the schedule is posted in the foyer. Uh, finally... Uh, there is a Girls of Grace retreat. It's Thursday, April 29th at 5 uh, p.m. through Friday, April 30th at 12 p.m. And if you're interested in that, just make sure you see Callie. I'm going to try to remind us at the end of the service to not forget about just, if you're interested in going, you don't have to fill out all the information yet. Just let Callie know that you're going so, she won't, so she'll have a head count. And I'm going to remind us about making sure you see uh, um, Carry if you're... There are too many of the... You start with the <laughs> same first two sounds and too much. But see Carrie after church if you're interested in helping with BBS. Are there any other announcements we need to make? I just thought of one last one. There Wednesday night, there will be no dinner in Devo's. We announced that Wednesday night. Hopefully it's stuck with the kids and the adults, but there is no dinner in Devo's on Wednesday night because a lot of folks will be at the area track meet. Anything else before we... Have a call to worship. Well, this morning... Oh, what just happened? You're probably going to have to help, Jen. We're going to do a uh, responsive reading this morning, and it's entitled Unending Praise. Uh, So I just want to let you know, you're going to have to pay attention here because there's going to be readings for the men and readings for the women. I'll do the one that's that's the reader, and then you make sure and look at the screen and respond appropriately and uh, speak nice and loud. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim with me the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name forever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty. For everything in the heavens and and on earth belongs to you. All right, ladies. Yours,
1: Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. Riches and honor come from you,
2: and you are the ruler of everything.
0: All right, men. In your hand are power and might, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. Lord, my God, you have done many things. Your wonderful works and your plans for us, none can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. Let's stand and worship together.
2: children's sermon, and you may be seated.
1: Good morning. It is so good to see you guys up here, and it was so wonderful to hear you sing. I heard some of you singing really beautifully. I have something to show you this morning that you are not going to believe. What is this? A A paperclip. Two paperclips. Do you all believe that I can make these paperclips jump up in the air and get joined together and never even touch them? Do you you believe that? I'm going to show you something really awesome. I'm going to take this dollar bill and I'm going to clip a paper clip right here, okay? And I'm going <clears> to <throat> clip this one right here. And they're not touching, are they? No. Okay, y'all ready for this? Watch this.
2: <laughs>
1: I did it. Do you believe now? You do? <clears throat> okay. Okay. Um, I want, excuse me, I want y'all to help me teach everyone out here something out of the Bible. Will y'all help me? Because I think they'll remember it better if you help me do this. Um, last week was Easter, right? So it's been a week since Easter. Over 2,000 years ago, a week after Easter, a week after Jesus was crucified and, was resurrected, came out of the tomb. The tomb was empty. Um, All the disciples were hiding because they were afraid. Now, here's what I want you to do. Every time I say the word believe, I want you to go, (gasps) okay, can y'all, let me see you do that, Macy. Okay. (laughs) Okay. and when you do it i want you to look out here at the at the big people okay so they'll remember your faces and they'll remember this story <clears throat> so all the disciples were hiding in a room and it was locked it was locked tight and all of a sudden jesus appeared right there in the room with them how did that happen the door was locked do you believe that? Okay. Um, they, see, the reason they were hiding is because they were afraid that the same people that came to crucify Jesus would come get them. So they locked themselves in the room. But Jesus showed up right there in their midst. <clears throat> it was hard to believe. It was hard to believe. But he showed them the wounds on his hands and his side, and then they believed that it was him. But not everybody was there that day. Not all the disciples were there. Thomas was absent, and when the disciples Ran and told him what had happened, he didn't believe. Can I see? <gasps> there you go. <clears throat> because Thomas had seen Jesus crucified and he couldn't believe that he was alive. He said, Unless I see the wounds in his hands and the holes. Uh, where in his hands and his side, the holes in his hands, I will not believe. (laughs) Well, a week later, the disciples were locked in the room again, and this time Thomas was with them. So Jesus came again and stood among the disciples, and Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger right here. See my hands? Reach out and put your hand in my side. Stop doubting and believe. (laughs) Thomas fell on his knees and said, My Lord and my God, because now Thomas believed. Jesus said to him, Because you've seen me, you have believed. (laughs) Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You and I have never seen Jesus with our own eyes, have we? No. The question is, will will we be one of those who is blessed because we believe, even though we have not seen? Okay. One more question. Which one of you believes that the first person to raise his hand, I'm going to give him this dollar? Oh, I saw. I saw. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for uh, this beautiful day and for these beautiful children. Um, Father, help us to believe in our heart the truths that we find in the Holy Scriptures. Uh, that even though we've not seen them with our own eyes, we do believe. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: It was two years and one week ago today that someone in a children's sermon had a dead chicken. <laughs> that will stick in my brain forever. Let's stand together and sing this song. enough to involve us in this process I, I don't know but we know that someday we'll fly away because there's power in the blood and we will worship unto your name standing for the reading of God's
0: Word. We will be in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, so if you'll get your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. We'll actually finish up chapter 7 today, or 6 today. If we're finishing 7, we we'll we'd be finishing the whole series, but we're almost there you didn't bring a Bible with you, you should find a hardback black one somewhere around you in the pew, and if you'll turn to the back of the Bible, find page 5, you'll be at Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. While you're turning there, James, how many years have you been here now? Two years, Easter Sunday, but Easter changes, so, but that's when I associate your anniversary. Okay, well, we're glad that you celebrated two years with us, or you're close. Okay. And uh, also wanted to say that uh, we don't normally condone witchcraft during the children's sermon, but but we made we made an exception today, but uh, after the church is over, we'll refer to Deuteronomy and not suffer a witch to live and so All right, I just had to get that out of the way. because I was thinking it, and so now that I'm done thinking it and saying it, we can we can get serious. I want to bring to you a sermon entitled "Freed." to seek the kingdom, God's providence and anxiety. And this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful that your word meets us on our own turf. It gives us what we need, where we need it. We're thankful for our Savior, who is not only A savior, but he was a teacher. And he taught us in ways that enrich our lives. And we pray this morning that as this text is opened before us, that you would show us what life really is. And we thank you that you don't hide that from us, but that you want us to walk in abundance of life. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. It is a good rule of thumb to pay attention when you're reading and studying the Bible to particular words, words like therefore and for, because, for this reason, if, also. Those are words that show how things connect together. Uh, you've probably heard it put this way. If there is a therefore, find out what the therefore is Therefore, So I'm going to take a brief moment and, and kind of walk us through it's been two weeks since we've been on the Sermon on the Mount. And and in verse um, 24, and verse 24 is kind of a bridge uh, text or bridge verse between the verses that precede it from 19 on and then also connecting to 25 to 34. I'm not going to go back and re preach the sermon. If you're a note taker, this is not going to make you happy because I'm just going to zip through this. But I just want us to be reminded of what the therefore is there for. Um, in verses. 19 to 22, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And our takeaway from that was, you store up what your heart treasures. And the follow-up question to this to get us to kind of do, di- do some self-diagnosis by using the word is, are you storing up the right treasure? Where is your treasure laid up? Can moth and rust destroy it or is it in a place where it can't be touched because God is there? And will your treasure last? In the next section, Jesus says, and I'm picking up in verse 22, the eye of the lamp is the body. The eye is the lamp of the body. That would be some odd anatomy. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great the darkness. And the takeaway was from that was that um, uh, your eye seeks what your heart treasures. Your eye seeks what your heart treasures. And to do some self-diagnosis with the Word, we ask the question... Do you see with the right vision? What is your body full of? Is your body full of light or dark? Um, Are you anxious all the time? Which connects with this. Then finally verse 24. says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the takeaway point was, what your heart treasures and what your eye seeks, you will serve as master. And so the questions that we use to self-diagnose, do you serve the right master? Who or what commands, controls your love and affection, your love and devotion? So that's why the therefore is therefore. Jesus is connecting back to this, and also He's going to make an argument based on this. He says, therefore, verse 25, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now anxious... um, basically equates to worry. Don't worry about your life. Now, I want to say from the, from the get-go that there's some wrong ways to look at this particular text. When Jesus says, Don't worry, God's going to supply your every need. Jesus is not doing away with work. Jesus is against worry, but He's for work. God will supply the birds' needs, but they still have to go looking for, the, for what God provides. Now, Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Now, Jesus is using a literary device known as a merism, M-E-R-I-S-M. And simply what he's doing, it's like he's saying from A to Z. You know, when someone says from A to Z, they're talking about A and Z and everything in the middle. So let me help you to understand this. When Jesus is talking about life, and body. He's saying kind of the whole existence of life. And he's saying, isn't the whole existence of life, the whole essence of life, is it just about what you're going to eat or drink or your clothing? Which basically is to say, your everyday needs. Isn't life more about just the day-to-day routine and your day-to-day needs? So that's what a is. Now, we're, we live in a place where... And I think this is true of, uh, of all of us by and large. We don't struggle to put food on our plate or clothes on our back. Now there are some that do, and it is just simply what it is. But we just don't, uh, and I may be over speaking here, but I just think that we don't have near the trouble that maybe Jesus' audience would have. You know, people that were like, like his disciples, who were going to be sent out, and Jesus tells them, don't worry about food, don't worry about clothing, don't take an extra belt, don't take a money pouch. I'm going to send you out, and and you're going to be taken care of. But the things that we don't have to worry about, if Jesus were to say this same thing to us, what would the marism He uses look like? Isn't life more than sports and gadgets? Isn't life more about, uh, is life really, isn't there more to life than just the experiences, you know, there's that... um, that acrostic, YOLO, you only live once. Because you only live once, you got to get all the marrow, all the juice, all the stuff that you possibly can out of life. Isn't there more to life than experiences and gadgets and work and money? That's what Jesus would put in the marism. I think, if he was talking to us. And he keeps saying, is not life more? Look, uh, Well, he, he says that word more a number of times. So verse 25 at the end, he says, is not life more? more than food, and the body, more than clothing. So with one very probing question, Jesus connects our day-to-day living with our ultimate purpose for living. Again, when Jesus says, isn't life more? The answer he's expecting is yes. Well, if there's more to life than food and clothing, then... What is the more? And, and that's where we have to ask and answer this question. What is your ultimate purpose for living? Really, that's what Jesus is doing with this question. He's saying, what is your ultimate purpose for living? Is it, is it just food and clothing? Now notice in the text, Jesus gives examples um, to help His listeners understand. The ultimate purpose of the Gentiles, Jesus says is they look for food and drink and clothing. We, we find that in verse 32. He says, For the Gentiles seek after all these things. So the Gentiles, they, they kind of believe in what you might call a closed universe. Don't, and, and when you think of Gentiles, think about the unconverted, the unbeliever. They, they really kind of believe in a closed universe. Yeah, they may say, yeah, maybe God's out there. But their life says, if it's to be, it's a, to me. I don't, I don't lean upon the, the sovereign hand, the providential hand of a higher being. Um, it's, if it's to be, it's up to me. And so there's food and clothes and, and drink that I need. And these are all, notice up what I put on the slide. Aren't these legitimate concerns? I mean, they are. They're absolutely legitimate concerns. But what I want us to, to, to leave with is this. Is that the Gentiles, the unconverted... They have a self-determined purpose that's based on their worldview. They determine what is good for them and how they approach life because of their worldview. And when God is not factored into that, then it's all about me and what I want and how I'm going to get what I want. That's the Gentiles' purpose. But Jesus also speaks about the ultimate purpose of the disciples of Christ. And we see that in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The ultimate purpose of the disciples of Jesus Christ, Christians, converted, born-again believers, is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, that, how that affects us, that is our worldview. We believe that there is a God. He is He rules over everything. He sent His Son Jesus Christ to pay the price for sin so that people could come by faith and believe, and be born again, and have a relationship with God. And that it goes further than just the simple fact that, God, that, that Christ is Redeemer. He's not only Redeemer, He's Lord. So we understand that our worldview, it's not God rotating around us, it's, it's our lives rotate and revolve around Him. Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, listen to this, which He created beforehand that we might walk in them. And then also, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So therefore, honor God with your body. That's our worldview. So we understand that our purpose for living, listen to this, our purpose for living is caught up in the plans and purposes of God. Now let me, let me unpack that just a little bit. When we say, when we understand our purpose for living is caught up in the plans and purposes of God, we believe that God is controlling the flow of history. And we're not merely floating on it in a cruise ship. There is a battle that God is waging in this world for the souls of men and women and to see his kingdom come in his church, in his people, for the lost to be saved. And so our purposes are caught up in God's purposes. That's why when we think about how our purposes dovetail with God's purposes, it's, he's, we don't just say, okay God, you've got my future, now I'm going to enjoy the present. And I look at my life like I'm on board a cruise ship. I want room service, and I want gourmet meals, that's not it. We are commissioned Officers and and non-coms. And we are in the service of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are on board. His ship taking our clues, our cues, I'm sorry, from Him. And we're in His service. Our ultimate purpose as disciples of Christ... Is the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now Jesus tells us in verse 33 that we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So that raises the question, how do I seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? There's four things I want us to think of. Okay, First of all, seek the kingdom in sanctification. Seek the kingdom in sanctification. Now one way that we have to think about the kingdom of God is that it does come in people, on people, through salvation. And how do you know that someone has received salvation? They grow in sanctification. That means that they have a deeper understanding of God's righteousness. Just like what we talked about in chapter 6. There is a greater righteousness. It's not just outward where I look moral, but but the reason that I act in a moral fashion is because my heart's been changed. There's a righteousness internal that affects how I live externally. But then also sanctification has to do with lordship. We seek to have Jesus Christ be Lord over every area of our life. You may have noticed it. You may just not think anything about it when our announcement loop is rotating through. But there's a slide and I hope you take a, a moment and read it every time. It says, all of Christ for all of life, for all the world, and all for the glory of God. So when we talk about Lordship, we're talking about all of Christ for all of my life. I want Him to be Lord in my marriage. I want Him to be Lord at work. I want Him to be Lord over my money. I want Him to be Lord over how I parent and grandparent. I want Him to be Lord over my retirement. I want Him to be Lord. A second way you can think about seeking the kingdom is seeking it in society. Now, we're praying this morning. Paul brought it up. He said, I just, I'm, I've just i gotten to where I don't even watch news anymore. Anybody else in that boat? I'm in that boat. It just gets frustrating to watch the news. It, would would our, our country not be better if people were in positions of authority and we had laws that were based upon the righteousness of God? I, I think we all believe that. And we should seek that. We should stand up for righteousness. We should... Uh, want people to be in places of service that believe in the righteous words of God and want to follow what they say. And then also, we need to ser- serve the poor and oppressed. And, and Vivian, I don't mean to single you out, but you're a great, a great example of this. Vivian goes to the Capitol. She stands up before uh, our state legislature and the committees. And she speaks up. For the powerless and oppressed She talks about abortion And I am am so grateful For how God has led you to do that And to me that's standing up for the kingdom of God In society Would we not all agree That if we had more of this Our society could take some steps forward A third way to think about seeking the kingdom Is in salvation We want God's kingdom to grow And one way that it does grow And the way that is the most important. Sanctification can't start without salvation. And we can do a lot of things in society. And people think, well, we have a Christian nation now. Right? But that's where we need to seek the kingdom. Is in sharing the gospel with lost people. That's where we want to see the kingdom grow. And then finally, seek the kingdom supreme. Make it be your top priority. That's why Jesus says seek first. He doesn't say seek only. He says seek first. It needs to be your top priority. So if it's to be your top priority, if your whole life is to revolve around the kingdom of God, and you're sitting where Jesus' disciples are, you might ask the question, okay, Jesus, how are my day-to-day needs going to be met? Here's the truth that I want us to internalize because I believe God wants to take anyone who's in here struggling with anxiety. He wants to move from that anxiety to a deeper trust in Him. And that's through an understanding of God's providence. Providence. Now, that may be a term that we're not really familiar with, but here's how you can understand providence. It's God's purposeful sovereignty. Now we believe that God is sovereign. We understand that there is not one square inch over all of creation that Jesus Christ doesn't say, that's mine and I control it completely. However, providence takes sovereignty a step further and says it's sovereignty with a particular purpose in mind. Now, let me tell us why that we should trust in God's providence. Jesus gives two examples here. He says, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They, they can't work like humans can. They don't have opposing thumbs. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. God created them. He knows their needs. He knows that they can't sow or reap. And so He takes care of them. And then he says about the birds. Why are you anxious about clothing? I'm sorry, the the lilies. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil, they don't work, they don't spin. They don't take thread and and spin spin stuff into thread and then weave it to make clothing. They can't. But he said, verse 29, Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will He not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith? See, God's providence shows that, one, that He is sovereign. and then when a person submits to his purpose, he will absolutely take care of. You. But it also shows something else. that God's providence in your life shows that you're precious. Notice how Jesus said in in, in comparison, uh, comparing his disciples to the birds. He said, are are you not of more value than they? Well, obviously, yes, they're of more value because they were created, knit knit together in, in their mother's womb. But yet, for us, we understand we are of much more value because the blood of Christ has been shed for us. We are so valuable. He says the same with relation to clothes. But we gotta understand. Let me, let me say what I said just a minute ago. God's providence in your life proves that you're precious to him. But that is God, that is not, listen to me. That is not God's ultimate purpose or end for his providence. Did you hear that? God's providence in your life proves that you're precious to Him, but that's not God's ultimate purpose or end with His his providence. So, to what end or for what purpose does God exercise His providence, His purposeful sovereignty? His glory alone. His glory alone. Do you desire today for God to take away your anxiety? Take away your worry? Two things then rest or walk in God's purposes and plans. Seek His kingdom above all things. And then, two, rest in His providence. Rest in His providence. That when your life is caught up in His plans and purposes, that His sovereignty can reach you. Wherever you are, reached Paul in a Roman jail, took care of him. Now Jesus is, <clears throat> in, in doing this teaching the way he's done it, <clears throat> it's, it's sort of um, as if he's saying, What reason do you have, really, to be anxious? Why be anxious? In fact, he, he has to repeat it three times. Verse 25, don't be anxious. Um, Verse 31, don't be anxious. Verse 34, don't be anxious. We we get to be so anxious that we're anxious about things that haven't even happened yet. So Jesus is trying to get us to understand don't be anxious. That's all well and good, right? But we have to stop and ask this question why are we anxious? It's one thing for Jesus to say, don't be anxious all good, but then after he said it, why are we still anxious? Perhaps there's some digging that we ought to do in our own heart. One reason that we might still be anxious is, one, because we have a weak faith. Remember what Jesus said, verse 30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow the stone into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith. Perhaps we have a weak faith that God really is sovereign. That He really is all-powerful. That He really does know what's going on in our lives like He does the birds and the flowers. That He really can get to us. That really when we give our lives to Him and say, God, I want to seek Your kingdom above all else, that He really will come through for us. You know, when we stop well, I'm, I'm combining points. The second reason I think we're anxious. and This is probably um, as strong of an influence as weak, weak faith. It's worldliness. Um, the world has its grip on people. If you doubt that... Um, I mean, for sure, go back and read Ephesians 2, the first four verses. But even Paul reminds us over and over. Take off the old man, put on the new. And that's hard. Because when we're talking about spiritual realities, we're, we're dealing with things we can't see. And when the things that are temporal cloud our vision, we lose sight of the eternal. And so our eyes gravitate so simply, so easily to the things of this world. Paul dealt with it. Remember the end of Timothy, 2 Timothy? He says to to Timothy, he says, Demas, in love, Demas was one of his his fellow workers. And Paul says to Timothy, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. I think sometimes... We get to where we know that there are things that God is calling us to to seek His kingdom first and His righteousness. And we wonder, if I do that, God, <clears throat> what will you make me give up? Are you going to make me drop everything and move to Kenya or Haiti or Kosovo or wherever? Are you going to make me go to the halls of Congress and stand up for the unborn? I mean, God, that's costly stuff. I mean, I may, I may, lose, um, I may lose some prestige. I, I may, life may not be as easy as it is right now. I think we're anxious because of weak faith and because of worldliness. But I, I want you to trust in this. In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And also, when God brings you into a trial remember what James said. He said, do not be, oh gosh, I just went brain dead. I'm have to read it because I went brain dead. Sorry, guys. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So there may be times that you're going through anxiety because God's trying to deal with it in your Are you anxious today? Is there something you need to lay down? I pray today that you have taken what Christ has shared with us today and said, Jesus, I don't just want to be done with anxiety. I want to fight any temptation to use your teaching to manipulate God. I don't want to look at God like he's a gravy train. I don't want to look at God like he's my sugar daddy so that I'm just going to seek first the kingdom and get what I want Jesus, help me to understand that God doesn't want to be a bit player in my play, that I am—I have a role in His story. And whatever it is you need to lay down today that's keeping you from seeking the kingdom, that's causing you anxiety, will you lay it down today and trust that when you seek the kingdom and His righteousness that God will take care of you. I've got to be honest with you on something. Now, you know this. Some of you are thinking about this. And I close with this. You know that Jesus didn't say that seek first the kingdom and you're not going to have any trouble. In fact, sometimes when you seek the kingdom, it invites trouble. He just says, don't worry. Your God has a powerful, providential hand. And He can get to you with what you need. Let's pray together. God of peace, we pray pray that you would forgive us for our anxiety-filled lives. Though our needs have always been met, we fear losing what we already have. and We do not trust you to provide us with money, jobs, spouses, or other things that we need. Many of us are already anxious about tomorrow with its needs that we do not yet see. We live in constant fear that you do not really care deeply for us and that our sin will cause you to abandon us. We're daily waiting for the bad news that will confirm our fears. A failed test, a lost job, betrayal by a friend, abandonment by a spouse, rebellion by a child. Instead of seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness, we have fixed our eyes on our own health, safety, comfort, and status. Yet you showed your deep love for us, Father, by sending your Son to earn your favor in our place. Jesus sought your kingdom and your righteousness above all things, even to the point of dying on the cross for the very sins that we confess today. You poured out your heart in anger against our unbelief and sinfully anxious hearts. You poured it out upon Jesus so that we might receive a right relationship with you as a gift. You have adopted us as children just as we are, broken, weary, and anxious because of His righteousness. For this we are profoundly and eternally Lead us, Lord, by the power of Your Spirit to walk in repentance and faith and to come boldly into Your presence by His blood. Help us to seek Your kingdom above all things, trusting in Jesus for our righteousness and believing that You are sovereign over the smallest details of our lives. Remind us, Lord, of the many ways You know and lovingly meet our needs on a daily basis. Help us never to forget the eternal inheritance You have prepared for us christ that frees us from our fear of the last enemy death itself we come in jesus name amen we're going to sing a song you know let's stand i surrender all i want to encourage you today if there is a catch in your spirit at all when you sing those words what is god trying to tell you would you deal with that today let's sing together all of our prayer The deepest recesses of our being I surrender all and that knowing that when we pray that prayer God's going to start moving in our lives to get us to surrender some things that we have got our claws into so I pray that God leads us to surrender all and leads us to open our all to him that he can deal with us so that we can seek first his kingdom and his righteousness Uh, Before we're dismissed today, a couple things. I want to remind you, business meeting tonight. Secondly, if you're interested in working with VBS, stick around. Go to the Fellowship Hall in just a moment. And thirdly, if you're wanting to go to the Girls of Grace retreat, just let Callie know before you leave today. Now, it wouldn't be right for us to talk about seeking first the kingdom and His righteousness without being reminded of our call. So, Jen, can you put it on the Great Commission? I think it should be in there. We're going to say that together. Is it there? You're good. There you go. All right, let's say this together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.